Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Last week I preached a message that I titled, They Devoted Themselves. And I put an emphasis on how the New Testament church devoted themselves in prayer. And doing so, I read several verses from Acts chapter 2 that kind of communicated that that first Holy Ghost outpouring on the day of Pentecost. And if you're not familiar with that, I'll encourage you to read uh, Acts 2. Maybe maybe start in Acts 1 and read Acts 2 and, and you'll get the context. But the day of Pentecost was the day that the Holy Ghost was poured out for the first time. And verse 39 of Acts chapter 2 says that the promise is unto you. Not just for those who receive the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Peter declared it's for you. And we're, we're written into that. It says those who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I just want you to know, we still believe that here at the Life Church. That the Holy Ghost is accessible, it's available. As a matter of fact, I can give you a whole bunch of witnesses today that the Holy Ghost is real. Let me see those hands right now. Come on, let me see those hands. Amen. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can leave with it today. So I'd like to go back to a verse that uh, my my title was extracted from last Sunday. And rather than reading all the the passage in Acts that I did last Sunday, I'm going to read one verse and I'm going to preach the second part of an unplanned series uh, I did not know last Sunday when I preached uh, what I preached that I was going to continue it today. As a matter of fact, I, I wasn't 100% uh, sure until late in the day yesterday, and I was going in a direction, and I felt a shift. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. This is what I read last Sunday. All the believers, what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. God bless you as you're seated. We live in very challenging times, to say the least, trying times. And the darkness of our our day is doing everything that it can to swallow up and drown out every ray of light of truth. So we we, we live in, in, in a day unlike anything that has been seen in in this country and has been seen, I would say, in the the era of time that we live in because the society all around us, it's it's a society where truth truth is is, is relevant. In other words, it's just, you know, one truth for one person may differ from truth to another person. As a matter of fact, there's, there's a lot of language that is tossed around nowadays about, you know, my truth and living this truth or that truth. And we, we, live, we live in a day where tolerance is, is the new religion. 
and uh, you know, you know th- things you know need need to be need to be tolerated and and allowed. But when you really begin to bear down and drill down into it, tolerance as they present it, rather than it being, hey, I respect you, you respect me. It's a one way street, and it's hey, you tolerate what we want you to tolerate, and that's that's the day that we live in. We live in a time that they they want everyone to just kind of get along and allow uh, what 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 they want. This agenda and that agenda. And as a matter of fact, it is considered both rude and offensive nowadays to believe in divine absolutes. It's offensive for you to say Jesus is the way. It's offensive to say that thus says the word of the Lord. That's it. For there not to be any wiggle room. For there not to be, hey, you know what, I see it this way and you see it that way. It's offensive to state absolute truth. And because of that, church, it is more imperative now than it has ever been before that we stay devoted to the Word of God, that we stay devoted to our beliefs, that we stay devoted to our faith, that we stay devoted when it comes to prayer, when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God. But I've got to let you know that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be comfortable. Sometimes you just need to get ready for it because you're going to face some difficult questions that don't come with easy answers. Sometimes you're going to face struggles that almost overwhelm you. And sometimes you're going to find yourself walking through a lonely valley. And sometimes the world is going to rise up against you and ridicule you and even reject you. But that's okay because they did it to Jesus as well. But let me remind you what Jesus said. Jesus prophesied over the church, and he says, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to win in the end. You're going to triumph at last. As a matter of fact, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So today, here we are in a new year in a challenging age, but we carry the legacy of that committed and devoted community of believers that we read about in the New Testament. We carry the banner of those who were born of the Spirit in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And church, we cannot afford to do anything less than they did. We cannot afford to let up We cannot afford to compromise. We cannot afford to water down the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Paul said in Hebrews 12 and 1, Therefore we also 
since we are surrounded, the King James says we're, we're compassed about, we're surrounded by so many great, a great cloud of witnesses. Listen, you know what? When he's talking here, when, when the writer of Hebrews is, is talking here, he's, he's referencing the prophets and he's, he's referencing the, four, the forefathers of the faith. And he's saying, hey, you know what? If they made it, then we can make it. If their faith carried them through, then our faith can carry us through. That's what he was saying. And so for us here this afternoon, in this writing, he said we're, we're, we're surrounded, we're encompassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. We can look to the early church. And we, look, we can look to them. We can look to those believers. We can look to those ones who were persecuted. We can look to those who were stoned. We can look to those who were beheaded. And we can look at them and say, you know what? If they made it, if they endured, if they held on, if they didn't shrink back, if they didn't give in, if they made it so, can we? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we got a great cloud of witnesses, and they're pulling for us, and they're cheering for us today, and they're looking down and saying, hey, come on, stay in the race, stay in the fight, keep on keeping on. We're surrounded. Be encouraged by that today. If they made it, you can make it. The writer of Hebrews said, we're surrounded by this great cloud, so lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily ensnares us. That's what we're doing in 21 days of prayer. We're laying some things down. We're laying, we're laying some, heavy, some heavy weights down. We're, we're laying, laying some priorities down that need to be laid down, some things that have gotten in the way so that you can run with endurance. Another way to say that would be to run with devotion. You're, you're, you're committed. You're devoted to this. So you can run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured what? The cross. And listen, if Jesus endured the cross, that means you're going to have to endure the cross. Hallelujah. Despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, you've, you've got those that have gone before you. You've got those uh, who finished their race. They've run their race. But now you're still in the race. But you've got this great cloud of witnesses. But the baton, it's in your hand now. And they devoted themselves, and they never wavered, and they never faltered. But now this thing has been entrusted into your hands. It has been transferred into your hands. Now we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. In other words, church, we are the ones tasked with carrying on the legacy of the church. Brother Holloway preached about it a couple months back. We're the fourth wall. Amen. The Lord is building a house, and we're the fourth wall. We, we, we are written into this thing. Listen, from the upper room until now, the Lord has had believers, and the chain is unbroken. In every generation, there have been true believers who have been sold out and devoted. Listen, it's the power of devotion. 
that fuels the church. And it's our turn. It's our turn. Look at the person beside you. Tell them it's our turn. Hallelujah. We've been tapped in. We've been tagged in. It is our moment. So let us lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside every sin. Let's lay aside everything that besets us and ensnares us because the baton is in our hand and the race is ahead of us to be run. So let us run with patience and let us run with endurance and let us run with devotion. Oh, I believe we've got some people. We've got a great cloud of people in the grandstands today who are pulling for us and cheering us on saying, come on, come on, you can make it. Come on, just stay in there. You can make it. Just keep doing what you know to be doing. Just hold on to what you believe. Praise God. But I believe when those saints of old look down at the modern day church, what they want to know is, do we have what they had? Do, do we have the same level and measure of devotion that they had? Are we devoted like they were devoted? In this time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken, We've, we've got to rise up, church, and we've, we've got to declare our devotion. We've got to let it ring through the heavens. As for me and my house, as for me and my family, as for me and my church, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to turn to the right or to the left. We're not going to stick our finger up in the air and see which way the winds of doctrine happen to be blowing today. We're not going to get our cues from the church down the street, but we're going to make up in our mind, I'm devoted. We're not going to drop the ball. Oh, in Jesus' name, let a spirit of devotion get a hold of the life church. Let a call of consecration echo in our spirit today. Oh, somebody pray with me right now. Oh, Lord, let us look upon the example of the early church. Let us look upon what they, what they faced and what they endured. Lord, let us remember what they went through, yet they held on. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. You see, there's, there's more than what I just preached about last Sunday that they devoted themselves to. If you were here last Sunday or not here, I preached about how they devoted themselves to prayer. And that's what we're trying to do in these 21 days. We're saying, hey, we're going to be a pray first church. They devoted themselves to fellowship and breaking of bread. Pastor Chris talked earlier, we're ramping up a new life group season. That's why we do life groups around here, because it's biblical. 
Getting together is biblical. Sharpening one another is biblical. Fellowshipping, discipling, it's biblical. Breaking bread together is biblical. They devoted themselves to that, but the Bible also says they devoted themselves to doctrine. Hallelujah. I read it from the New Living Translation just a moment ago. It said they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, the apostles' teaching. If you read that same verse in the King James or the New King James, it will say this. They devoted, the, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. So, yes, revival spread like wildfire after the Holy Ghost was poured out for the first time on the day of Pentecost. And what started, listen, what started with a small group of 120 in the upper room, it quickly expanded to some 50,000 believers within a few weeks' time. And while that revival began with a, a seven or seven to ten day prayer meeting in an upper room, and, and, and while it began as they prayed together, like I preached about last Sunday, in one mind and one accord, listen to me today, it was the power of the Word of God that fanned that flame of revival and fueled its continued and rapid spread. Let me show it to you. Acts 2.42 tells us all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the apostles' doctrine. In Acts 5.28, we read that they filled Jerusalem with what? They filled it with their doctrine. Praise God. Not, not with their worship gatherings, not with their prayer meetings. They filled it with their doctrine. Acts 6 and 7 recounts that then the word of God spread. And what was the result of the word of God spreading? And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests. Hallelujah. Not, not just your common ordinary believer, but a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. Why? Because of the word of God, because of doctrine. Acts 8 and 4 says, therefore, those who were scattered, they went everywhere, not just praying, not just praising, but doing what? Preaching the word few chapters later in Acts 12 and 24, we read, but the word of God, it grew and it multiplied. I'm talking about a revival of the word. I'm talking about a revival of, of, of substance. I'm talking about a revival of life-changing power from the God-breathed word of the Lord. Then in Acts 19 and 20, it says, so the word of God, here it is again, it grew mightily and prevailed. Oh, I pray that during these 21 days of prayer that you would not only grow in prayer, but that you would grow in your love for the word of God that the word of God would grow mightily in your heart, that it would grow mightily in your life. And when that happens, you're going to be multiplied. Hallelujah. Your anointing is going to be multiplied. You're going to prevail in Jesus' name. Oh, hear me this afternoon. Listen, the message that that early church loved, it wasn't just any message, but it was the message of their master. Paul said in Romans 1 and 6, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Does anybody feel that way today? 
Hallelujah. It doesn't matter when that person at work wants to put you on the spot. You're not going to hang your head because why? Because you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't matter when your classmates say, hey, are you one of those Jesus freaks? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I know there's power in the word. It's the power of God unto salvation. The word of God is powerful. The word of God's like a double-edged sword. It is sharp. The gospel is the good news. And I'm here today preaching the good news. Just like Peter, when he preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. And Paul, when he preached the gospel from city to city, even in the face of rejection, souls were added to the kingdom. And signs and wonders and miracles were performed. Philip, the Bible tells us, he declaimed the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch and he was converted and baptized on the spot. That's what happens when you preach the word. Souls were saved in the book of Acts. Churches were planted. The sick were healed. The dead were raised because there's power in this message. There's power in the word, and we've got to remain devoted to it. It's not about your preferences. It's not about my opinions. It's about the word. What does the word say? What does the word say? Hallelujah. Listen, if you're hearing conflicted messages about what it takes to be saved, and you're listening to this person, and you're listening to that person, can I direct you back to the, to the final say? The word of God is able to make you wise concerning salvation. That's what it says. So if you're confused, well, this church says this, and that church says that, and this preacher teaches this, and another says that, get in the word. Be devoted to doctrine. Make up in your mind. No man's going to have the final say in my life, but the word of God. Because the word of God is forever settled in heaven. It will not pass away. Heaven and earth are going to burn up. But the word of God is going to stand through all of eternity. There's power in the word. You see the power of the Holy Ghost. And the power of the gospel were inextricably intertwined. Because you won't have the power long if you stop preaching the gospel. You want to see the power of God dry up around here quick? Let's just get up around here and start doing a bunch of self-help. Let's just get up here and do some you know, positive mental Attitude exercises, mind over matter things. Hallelujah, the power will dry up in a hurry. 
But here's the converse of that. Here's also what I know, that you can't preach the gospel for very long and not find the power. They go together. And I'm glad to announce to you today that the message of the word of God, it still works. And we don't need to minimize the message. We don't need a new and improved version of the gospel. Our world still needs to know that God commended his love towards them and that while they were yet sinners, Christ died for them. They still need to know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Does anybody believe that today? We need to still hold forth that people's sins can be washed away by being baptized in the only saving name, the name of Jesus. Our world needs to know that the Holy Ghost is still being poured out on all flesh. That's the message. That's the message of the word of God. That's the message of his love reaching for us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, we're doing everything that we can to reach our community. We're getting ready to expand our facilities because there's more people in North Dallas who need to be saved. We don't have an us for and no more mentality here. Why? Because there, as long as there's one sinner, our work's not done. As long as there's one sinner out there, our mission is not complete. So we're going to expand. We're going to grow. We're going to add more parking. We're going to improve our technology. We're going to do everything that we can. We're going to continue with programs and ministries and life groups. But I want you to know today that the most relevant part of the church, it's not our lights. It's not our webcast. It's not our computer system. But the most relevant aspect of the church is right here. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone who believes it. The most relevant thing we've got going for us is the word of God. You may think, you know, we, we don't need to strive to be relevant, but listen, I would argue with, with you because the opposite of being relevant is being irrelevant. I'm not interested in being ir irrelevant. People have needs. People have needs and have situations, and we want to meet them where they are. That's what being relevant is all about. But there's nothing more relevant than the Word of God. It doesn't matter how dark your night. There's a word for you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can break open the pages of this book, and it will begin to speak to you. Even though those words might have been penned 4,000 years ago, it will speak to you because it's breathing, because it's alive, because it's God-anointed and God-breathed. Think about the relevancy of the word of God. To the lost, we proclaim that Jesus is the way. To the lonely, we proclaim there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. To the orphan, we can proclaim that Jesus is a father to the fatherless. To the sick, we declare that he is the great physician. To those who are bound by addiction, we can proclaim Jesus as the the deliverer. 
to the person who finds himself on a deathbed, we can declare to them today that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in him will never die. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying today? The word of God is relevant and we've got to be devoted to the word. We've got to be devoted to the doctrine. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. You can read it all through the gospels over and over and over again. This is why they preached, and this is what they taught, and this is what they expected. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says this, And you who were once alienated, talking to unbelievers, talking to sinners, who are now believers, you were once alienated. You were once enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled. Is anybody grateful for that today? You're not what you used to be. You're not where you where he found you. But he's drawn you. He's called you to himself. He's made up the slack and taken up the difference. Yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you can continue in the faith. I want you to pay attention to this. You've been saved. You're not what you used to be. That's what it said in verse 22. You used to be alienated from him. You used to be his enemy. But if you can, now that you're saved, if you continue in the faith, if you'll just be devoted to the end, and he goes on, he doesn't stop there. If you'll be grounded, if you'll be steadfast, like Paul saying, how many synonyms can I come up here with here to drive this truth home? It's not enough just to get started. It's not enough just to begin. We worship with every sinner who repents. Matters of fact, there's a party in heaven, the Bible says. The angels rejoice. But it doesn't end there. To be born again of water and the Spirit is not enough. And I think sometimes we've got faulty thinking and we look at, you know what, if I, if I get baptized and I receive the Holy Ghost, check, check, it's done, I'm good, I've crossed the finish line. That's, that's not what the Word of God says. You've just crossed the starting line. And now that you have this experience with God, you've got to walk in it. You've got to hold on to it. You gotta grow it. You gotta cultivate it. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to be devoted to it. And Paul is saying, put that verse back on the screen. Paul is saying, you gotta be grounded. You gotta be steadfast. And you gotta to get to the point that you're not moved away from the hope. Hear me, continue in the faith. Be grounded. Be steadfast. Don't move away from it. In other words, be devoted. Be devoted to the gospel that you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven. Praise God. Church, this isn't just a good idea. This is what it takes to be saved. 
This is what it takes to stay saved. Paul said you used to be sinners. You used to be alienated. You used to be the enemy of God. But he has reconciled you. He has saved you. And if you remain in the faith, if you keep on keeping on, if you decide once and for all, if you make up in your mind, if you settle the issue, if you declare, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you are grounded, if you settle some things once and for all, that's the power of devotion. It'll save your soul. Listen, church, we need a stubborn kind of persistence to get a hold of us in this hour. The winds of doctrine are blowing already. But listen to me, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think 2020 was bad? Everything that can be shaken will be. But there's an anchor. There's a strong tower. So we got to devote. I'm not just going to devote myself to prayer. I'm not just going to devote myself to worship. I'm not just going to devote myself to being a part of life groups. But I'm going to be devoted to doctrine. I'm not going to dismiss doctrine. I'm not going to say, you know what, doctrine's for somebody. That's for the preachers and that's for the teachers. No, you better get a hold of it for yourself. You better develop a relationship with the Word of God for yourself. Paul told the church in Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue. That word continue is the same word as the word devoted in Acts 2.42. Same word. Cursed is everyone who's not devoted in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Listen to me, church. This is serious business. If you depart from the truth says it very plain. If you fail to be devoted to the Word of God, if you fail, if you turn your back and and quit keeping on, you join the ranks of the cursed. Perhaps that's why Paul told his apprentice Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 16, take heed to yourself and to what? Come on, say it loud. Take heed to yourself. Pay attention to the doctrine, Timothy. It's not enough just to have a doctrine or any doctrine. But you better make sure you got the right doctrine. You better make sure that the doctrine that you heed is based on the Word of God. Take heed to the doctrine, period. Then he says this, continue. There's that word again, the same word as the word devoted in Acts 2.42. Be devoted in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you, you got to be devoted. We've got to be committed. Because in so doing, we're going to save ourselves, church. And we're going to save those that we witness to. And we're going to save those who our lives are an example to. We've got to be devoted in the Word. We've got to be devoted to teaching. We've got to be devoted to preaching. We've got to be devoted in doctrine. Would you stand with me right now? Somebody in this place today needs to make up in your mind that you're finished playing around on the periphery of this thing. 
You need to make up in your mind. You're, 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 you're finished waiting to see if a better offer comes along and that you're going all in and that you're going you're gonna to settle your beliefs once and for all. Listen, it's time to quit weighing your options. It's time to quit halting between two points. It's time that you abandon that valley of indecision and sell out to God. Sell out to his word. Take his word and say, I'm elevating your word above my word. I'm elevating your word above my preferences. I'm elevating your word above what my flesh wants. I'm elevating your word above popular opinion. I'm elevating your word, withholding nothing. I'm going to follow you completely. Devoted. Jesus is calling us to devotion, church, right here at the beginning of this year. Come on, will you consecrate yourself? Will you consecrate yourself? Will you commit to living for the Lord? Listen, when you stand before the throne of God, listen, you gotta, you got to know that the Lord is going to be more concerned about whether you just had a Holy Ghost experience. He's going to be you know, concerned about more than just were you baptized in Jesus' name. Yes, those matter. Those are important. I'm not saying that. But he's going to want to know something. He's going to want to know, were you devoted? Because here's the words you can expect to hear. If you make it all the way through, if you endure to the end, when Jesus finally looks at you in the face, he's going to say, well done, thou good and thou good and is he going to find faithfulness in you not faithfulness for a moment but faithfulness that endures faithfulness that continues is he going to find devotion in you is he going to find someone who pressed on and made it to the end oh I wonder if there's anybody who's willing to step out from your seat right now make your way down Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.